I want to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so you can have it be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, plus many more. You can make money from your podcast with absolutely no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I am extremely excited to have the one and the only Mel Paps on the podcast today. Mel, how you doing? I am well, thanks. How are you, John? I'm good. It's Monday. It's marginally not a thousand degrees. Humidity's not at a hundred percent, so it's hard to complain. <laughs> right, right, for sure. Why don't you introduce yourself to the podcast audience, which is made up primarily of 95% of people who know you. Okay. Well, um, for the 5% who don't, or for the 95 who know and love me, hopefully, <laughs> I am Melissa, me and Willie, Mel Paps on most forms of social media. Um, I am here in New Jersey, born and raised Long Island, so I am a trader. I hopped to the other side of the river. Um <laughs> Got my cute little uh, two-and-a-half-year-old guy, Anthony, married to, who many of you know, um, Richard of Beer You Are podcast. And Richard. Richard. <laughs> and uh, I am hanging out here, propped up on the couch, do any day with number two. So this is, uh, this is a nice little treat to kick my feet back and get to chat with you. And I have been excited for what you're doing here, John. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, this is definitely, pr I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably my last, but definitely my first uh, pregnant podcast recording. So I think I'll send you a little <laughs> certificate. <laughs> send you a little certificate in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, obviously, we've had, uh, geez, I don't know, what is it, 15 plus ish years of at least yeah uh, of friendship um i feel like of all the people that i've met through you know my friends significant others um you've been one of the people that i've been lucky enough to call like a pretty good friend um and that's not to say I don't have that type of relationship with other uh, significant others of my friends. But you and I have always been pretty friendly. And even when we're busting each other's balls, um, we've had a good relationship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, we, we do do a, a significant amount of ball busting. We are very good for that. <laughs> for sure. But I've always super appreciated that you've kind of always been there for me whenever I want advice with women or... Um, you know, podcast stuff, etc. Um, so that's that's something that I've always super admired about you because you are a, a really good friend and uh, obviously super thankful for you to hop on the pod today. Um, 15 years of friendship. Do you remember the first time that we met? 
Oh, this is going to be a tough one. You're really starting out hard on me here. <laughs> um, I I think it was your birthday, have, right? It could very well have been. I mean, my first true like recollection, at least for part of the night with you, is um, so, yeah, someone's birthday. So it could very well have been mine. Um, but I have I have many many memories, some fading. Of us par- partying back in the day, and um, specifically, I think Rick's twenty first also really stands oh, yeah. out. That, yeah, yeah, two thirty fifth. Yes, and then we and then the after party was at the forty forty club. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, those are the days, Mel. I'll tell you, fourteen years ago, uh, John Pachuto got after it pretty hard. Thirty five year old John, not so much. Did. <laughs> I know. I know. It's amazing how far we've come. Like it could have been a bottle to the face back in the day. Now it's like, you <laughs> it is, know, it a, is beer, a, bottle. a beer bottle, Max. <laughs> no uh, more vodka bottles. <laughs> for sure. Um, I, you know, I, I look at uh, kind of a lot of the, the relationships that engulf like my circle, like my friend, all my friends are pretty much married. Um, you know, my sister's engaged, my brother's married. Um, I, I, I find it sort of like um, inspiring slash jealousy that I I get. Um, so one of the main questions that I had coming into our recording today was, what do you think makes like a good relationship? And how have you and Rick been able to build like this bond that is, you know, I guess, I don't know, 18 to 35. It's, you know, you or 19, whenever you guys met, you know, you're going on damn near 20 years. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy when you word it that way. I think <laughs> recently we, we sat down and we were we were like, we are laughing a lot of people just in how long we've even known each other. But I think, you know, we sat there and we said that's a true testament to just kind of everything we've been through and how we've grown and how we've actually kind of evolved together. I mean, we met, you know, with our fake IDs uh, in college (laughs) and he was just this kid down the hall that I thought was just adorable. And now, you know, here we are going on two kids and, and a house like that tip stereotypical, like, you know, American dream kind of thing. And it's like, you know, I think what I would say is that it's behind closed doors. It's been, it's been work, you know, relationships are work. And I think that that's one of the great things about him and I is that we've made the commitment to make it work. You know, not every day is this rainbow, but then some days are, and we've had to, you know, we turned 21 together, which was a milestone in life for everyone, pretty much. And, you know, we've watched friends get married years before us. We've watched other friends have these devastating breakups. And we've had our own bumps in the road. We've taken breaks. And, you know, we came back stronger than ever saying we're making this commitment to each other. And I think the one thing that I really appreciate in him is that he has never really said anything besides good things and encouragement when I say I want to try something or do something in any facet of life. You know, he'll give me his thoughts on it. But if I say there's this job or there's this side business, I mean, I've I've tried a million things at this point and he's always there saying, I support you. And I think the support is really, really critical in making 
things work and keeping things strong. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I completely agree. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's, it's nice that, you know, without having Rick here to, to hear this is I'm sure he'll listen. Um, Rick, Rick's one of my best. (laughs) He should for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think we were lucky growing up, um, because Rick and I didn't start off as friends. Like I picked on him relentlessly as a kid. And I don't really remember this like fourth, fifth, sixth grade shit. Um, but we didn't really become friends until I think Steve was really good friends with him. And then I was hanging out a lot, hanging out a lot with Steve and Rick came into the picture and we became really good friends, in like eighth grade, ninth grade and whatever that was. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, Rick and I have such a good friendship now. Like we got into a fight a couple weeks ago and we were just able to really quickly bury the hatchet and, it's it's a testament to like kind of the the character that he has as a human being like he's just such a genuinely kind-hearted like good person that like i know i could be like listen man i need xyz and like he he if he can do it he'll be there for me and uh, obviously mm-hmm. i'm sure you can kind of attest to that from from a hubby perspective um but you you guys like have been together for a super long time is there anything that you think that you can point to you know whether it's like commonalities and uh sense of humors and in uh you know whatever it might be uh you know having the same favorite movie like how do, how do you have a relationship that has grown and uh you know continued to progress for such a long period of time because this is just genuine inquis- inquisition on my part because i've obviously not had the same <laughs> relationships <Right. laughs> for sure for sure well i would i would say yeah, you know, we share, while we both have our own very diverse interests, um, obviously you need to have some common ground of things you want to learn together, do together to, to, you know, keep this going. And I would say we definitely both have a lot of interest in, in traveling or, or even beyond that, exploring new things, I think, is the high oh, level nice. thing to say. You know, we new music and of course even old music all genres we we like to listen together and and check out together um concerts travel as i say you know exploring new places he's got you know i call him my own google maps and i know it's (laughs) caught on with a lot of people now he just namely me he's got right (laughs) he's got this abundance of places he wants to go and recommendations that he wants to share and i think that that's so great you know i i have that same feeling in me even just eating you know food we like to try different types of food we're not conformed to just you know we only like italian (laughs) we like to try it try it all if it doesn't work okay fine but you know we went to thailand for our honeymoon and he from halfway across the globe planned the whole trip and picked winners of places and i just kind of went along with it and i was like i'm down to explore i'm here with you but you know he we share that commonality and that we want to try new adventures and and try and explore new things and i think that that also you know to answer your question really has kept um the momentum in our relationship and that you know there's there's truly never a dull moment with things like that that's cool. Um, you touched upon obviously having his support in chasing, you know, work, jobs, uh, career stuff. Um, I, I know that like a lot of people do, um, 
like uh, I don't, what do you call it? multi mar- what is it marketing stuff like the the products multi-level that you sell. marketing multi-level marketing yes. a lot of people do that stuff in their free time um but it takes a like a big commitment for not just in time but like in you know drive like you've got to do a ton of work um how did you get started with that and like how much has that impacted like your day-to-day and is it the thing you do i, I think you have a regular nine-to-five as well correct yeah, yeah. So I am uh, a marketing manager for my nine to five. And then in between in, in pockets, I do do um, a multi-level marketing business on the side um, with the skincare company. And uh, I started ironically right before the pandemic hit, um, not even seeing that coming. I thought, you know, I've used the product. I can genuinely vouch for it. I would never, ever put myself behind something that I don't have belief in that I haven't tried. I see some crazy people on Instagram just, you know, <laughs> desperate for a couple bucks being like, try this pot or pan. And I'm like, what are you doing? But, <laughs> um, you know, I could genuinely vouch for it. And I said, you know what, for the amount that I'm using it, and sometimes people would ask me, you know, oh, what have you been doing lately? Your skin looks good. I said, I could be sharing that knowledge and actually making money from it. And I'm not here to take, you know, any money from my friends. I've made that clear from the start when I launched. I said, if you're interested, come ask me. I'm not pushing anything on you. Yeah. Um, but I, I am here if, you, if you're interested. And so, like I say, uh, you know, launched it right before the pandemic and literally the next month the pandemic hit. And what's really kind of crazy is that um, had some of the company had some of their best months with the pandemic because everyone was online shopping and you know, you couldn't go to the spas and things like that. And all the zoom meetings, everyone wanted to look their best on zoom meetings. So it has gone really well, but you know, it was another thing in the mix on top of the nine to five being a parent with a kid home from daycare with daycare closed and just trying to be, you know, a spouse and a partner. Um, so it was a lot. And, that was just really getting it off the ground. I, I feel now I finally found sort of an ebb and flow in everything in that, you know, I, I find a little pocket of time. I try to answer when, when or if someone writes me questions in a timely manner, but I also don't check every hour of the day and be like, I have to get back to this person. You know, people know and respect my time and that's what I appreciate in this. And everyone's really been, supportive and i like that in this industry you know i i know it can get a somewhat negative rep for pyramid schemes there are unfortunately pyramid schemes out there um that is a little different but you know i i like that i've even found a group of women supporting women it is a lot of women obviously in the skincare industry and just that bond and networking that I found, especially when the world was so isolated, was really, really nice and comforting. And, you know, you can cheer each other on without it impacting your own business or or tearing someone else down. If, you know, if someone feels they want to try this, then just support them. It's a like or a share is not hurting. Oh, yeah, I I completely agree. I think one one of the I don't want to use the wrong connotation or word for this, but one of the things that I guess frustrates me about social media and um, people helping people is that like, if I post something on Instagram and you see it, all you have to do is double tap it for one second and that helps me. And Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people 
in most cases will see the thing and not interact with it or not appreciate it. And I'm not like begging for the validity or validation of whatever it is that I'm doing, whether it's this podcast, whether it's my photography, but when you're not asking someone to spend money on something and you know, for most part, most of the stuff that I do is not requisite of money. It's, it's disappointing the lack of support you can sometimes feel. Um, Yes. In in the world. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, I think it, when someone's following you or coming to your page, that's them actually taking the initiative to come over to your, <clears throat> excuse me, page. And so I think at that point, what is it hurting to just kind of give the person a double tap? I mean, I know it sounds so trivial, but at the same time, everyone understands the power of social media if you're on it you you do grasp that and you know they also know it's no secret these social media sites have algorithms so if you throw someone a like or a share or a comment you know it's helping them and it's not costing you anything i i consciously try to do that for everyone um you know, I, I don't think it hurts at all. I support whatever everyone's trying to do on the side. Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I I'm think here it's, for it. I was just saying, I think it's funny because like, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago I shared this thing like, oh, Instagram al- algorithm has changed. The way they weigh your content to push it out to other people other than the ones that are following you is now different. So if rather than double tapping, you just press the little button to the right that says save, that helps me. But it's like you're asking people to do something that's really not any different than what they're doing. And the inability for some people to be able to just look at that other than being like, oh, my God, John's just dying for likes. It's like, no. And <laughs> the ability for me to grow from a social perspective, which will help me out, like, I need you to take four seconds to do this thing for me. It's it's so unfortunate. Right. It really is. Um, you're a mother. You've got a two and a half year old, I think you said, and you're popping any day now. Um, (laughs) How has the last year kind of impacted your like life? You know, I I feel like COVID for parents was for parents, teachers, nurses, doctors, first responders, all these people had so much additional stress and so much additional weight that it doesn't get talked about enough. So what was like the last year of your life like? And, and, how has it impacted your relationships? Oof, that is a loaded one. Um, <laughs> but I'm gl- I'm glad you brought it up because I mean, it's not until, of course, now we're starting to see some some signs of life come back and you know some sense of normalcy that people are talking about it. But it's it's been one hell of a year. I mean, it has challenged almost every relationship um, in my life. Honestly, I mean. It, it starting with just when our son was home with us, Anthony, you know, daycare closed and we had to pivot balancing trying to do it all. And, it, it, you know, you went from nothing to everything. And I, I'll say this, I mean, stay at home parents, they've always had my respect, but now it, it's on another pedestal. Um, I mean, I genuinely enjoy working. It's something I would never give up. Um, it's just something I want to show my children 
that this is what mommy does. I, I went to school. I want to put my degree to use and that's just me. So I just want to be clear about that. But God, stay at home parents. I give them so many, so many props because even just getting a taste of that yeah. working and looking after Anthony, um, even with the support of Rick, cause we were both doing it was next to impossible. Um, it's a juggling act that it like varies day to day, hour by hour. Yeah. I mean, some, some days, I mean, Anthony would be sick. Some days he wanted all the attention. Some days he was content with the TV and <laughs> you know, nothing was the same day to day. And that's what made it so unpredictable. And that's, that's life in general. But I mean, adding the stress of COVID where you're just kind of feeling isolated in your house. We felt the walls closing on us, honestly. And it just, it was, it was a lot of weight, you know, even waking up, I would wake up a couple, a couple nights, especially in the beginning, the middle of the night to get a slot for grocery delivery. And oh, it, yeah. it's, you're like, how did this become where we're at? And so you're not sleeping, you're just worrying about groceries even. Um, but it definitely challenged, as I say, almost every relationship, you know, f friends would say, you know, Oh, did you go out? Did you like, I got, <laughs> I got attacked in a Facebook group in our town because I was still actively running. I love to run. And it was my one moment of like Zen and getting out there. And, um, I wouldn't wear a mask because it was very, very quiet over here. Everyone was inside. I would go off the beaten path. I, I mean, you're outside. <laughs> right. And, um, I guess someone saw me and it, it, it was a thing in our Facebook group oh where, yeah. And it, I mean, just, there's nothing worse than like Facebook that. Karens. <laughs> I mean, truly oh my, the all the ultimate Karen came for me. And yeah. so, you know, and, and little things like that, when you're already under a ton of stress, like something like that honestly made me cry. And it's like, then you start thinking about your mental health. You're like, you know, if it was before COVID, this wouldn't have phased me. It would have laughed it off. Here I am, you know, sobbing over someone saying, wear your mask while you run. Or you're giving me COVID. And it, you know, things like that. It, it challenged relationships with family. You know, everyone was handling it differently. I mean, you've got family in different states, you've got family with different health conditions. And, you know, then it becomes challenging between you and your spouse, even how you feel you're handling it versus how they might want to handle it. And it really it was pressure from every which direction. And um, yeah, it, it, it it's obviously going to go down as the most peculiar year in my life, unequivocally. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to imagine any 12 month stretch being any more confusing, odd, uh, positive, challenging, horrible. It, it was every adjective that you can associate with life wrapped up into one 12 month bow. Um, I, I, you touched on mental health, which I think is super important. And I had some really positive conversations with, uh, other people that we know, like Steve and I had a really nice conversation about it. It was a great episode. Oh, thank you. And I don't think 
like this is something I wish like 25 year old John did a better job of was like talking to like my people, my friends, my family about what they're going through and what I'm going through and being there more than just on like the surface level. Um, and I, I think the one major takeaway that I take from this last year is that I'm a lot more cognizant of the things that my friends are going through from a mental health perspective and wanting to be like that open and available resource for them. And I don't think I was like that before. And I don't think, I think a lot of people have been like that for sure. Um, but it's been, it's been one of those like really, uh, strong catalyst for change for a lot of people. Um, and I think it's nice to hear that like everyone kind of went through shit, but it seems like most people are coming through it a lot better and some with more children. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I think that from a female perspective, when it comes to, to mental health, you know, some of us are a little more cognizant just because going through motherhood makes you that way. I found, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, before I, I admit before I became a mom, I I wouldn't necessarily check in on all my friends and family. Hey, how are you doing? But having become a mother, it's just kind of something that, you know, postpartum is real. A lot more women are talking about it now. And that kind of filters into the whole mental health thing. And so even if someone's not a mom, you know, I check on my male friends, my female friends, whatever have you, like, how are you doing? And it's just something that, you know, I try, I'm trying to be a better listener. When I actually ask that question, I, I shut up and I, I listen to what someone's saying. And I just, I think that there's a lot more of that now, as you say, uh, with this last year of my gosh, just the feeling of isolation, just, so many different feelings that people have felt and they're all validated. And so I'm glad that more people are checking in and talking about it and listening. Yeah. I think one of the, it's probably the benefit of having started this podcast is my ability to try to be more vocal about the things that I'm going through and feeling. And I for sure was much more private and reserved on every spectrum of life. And I think that's a a huge takeaway for me because I feel like in just the last few months, the growth internally that I've experienced um, has been tremendous and and super rewarding. Um, You you mentioned motherhood, and I've spoken with a lot of people about what gives you confidence in life and how have you been able to be successful and, you know, all these work related and life related themes. Um, when you become a mother, does that become your greatest success to date? Does that become the only thing that you can necessarily really worry about being really, really good at? Um, I would honestly say, Yes and no. Um, It's not the only thing for me. It's just, and again, everyone has their own take on it. But for me, I I consider success on on several different sort of scales in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But but I would say when I became a mother, that I definitely you know have been able to put in perspective more what matters and what doesn't like my family does come first you know my child anything for them first and foremost Mm -hmm. but um it is not the only thing in my life you know i'll fully admit i I will fully admit like work is not 
my number one. I used to work crazy hours and, you know, be proud of it. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm working all these wild hours and, you know, it's not, it's not about that anymore. Um, I do work because I enjoy it. I genuinely do, but I, I think that just the perspective changes. There's far more important things in life when you become a mother. Yeah. I, I think that perspective has been, um, I don't know if it's been super escalated because of the last year, but for me, um, understand, like I've had to take a step back from what I want out of like my day to day, like what my job wants to be, what, um, what my hobbies are and like the, how I allocate my time throughout life. And I think without the last 12 months, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, but it's nice. I I mean, I think it's very honest or you'd be like, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't consider, one thing to be the de- the definition of success for me. Um, I think that's, that's pretty great. Thanks. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I just, it, it's success, as I say, can be measured on many, many different calibers and levels. And so I have different gauges, but um, yeah, I think that's, that's sort of my main takeaway, especially from the last year, but definitely also since I became a mother is just, you know, um, finding that, balancing and recognizing that you can be successful whatever that means to you in several different facets as long as you have your priorities right how do you find balance in your day-to-day life i mean obviously i know that's going to change significantly in the next week or so um but like in terms of finding that you know nirvana of time whether it's like focusing on your son focusing on your work focusing on your side hustles like how do you juggle all of that um, I mean, honestly, it, it's taken a lot of conscious practice and and some learning. I mean, definitely, uh, I will say couldn't do it without Rick. But, you know, sometimes even last, well, now it's two years ago. For example, um, I decided to run the marathon and raise money in honor of my late aunt mm-hmm. um, who passed from GBR which is a form of brain cancer. And, um, you know, that was a heck of a lot to balance it all out. I had to, I was still working. We had Anthony as a pretty young child um, around the house and then just taking what would sometimes be a couple hours to go out for a run. So everything, um, you know, it, it was an ebb and flow. And we kind of had to sit back. And I say we, I know you asked the question of me, of course, this is me on, on your podcast, <laughs> but um, I say we a lot because I really have to attribute the, the fact that Rick is a great support system. Um, I, I don't think I would have found this balance alone, but at the same time, you know, God forbid, you would have to. You know, everyone makes their own trials and tribulations work, however it makes sense. But I think for me, I've kind of just found this, space where I say, all right, this is what's going to get done today. And if X, Y, Z don't get done today, they will move to the list to tomorrow. And you have to kind of chop at things. You can't look at this whole to-do list and say, everything's going to get done today. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that's been sort of my greatest lesson through all of these things that I've taken on these last couple of years is that, you know, you have to find peace at a certain point saying, I can't do everything today Mm -hmm. and I might not even tomorrow, but 
here's my list and you know this is how I'll break it down things change you know there's going to be the curveballs and you have to pivot but um, having that sense of, of peace and acceptance that you can only do so much you're one person and that's really the way that it, I've kind of gotten to this place where I'm able to juggle these things and find time for a everything that i want to i like that uh i, I find it a, a uniquely uh, important question to ask because for me finding balance in my life is super easy because i don't have dependence and i don't have a significant other my time is fully up to me to kind of control like so uh, you know if i want to record a podcast at 10 a.m i could do that if i want to go on a vacation i could do that i don't have to worry about <laughs> how my actions right. or, or my uh, schedule impacts other people. Um, so I think that's like really important uh, for people to kind of hear and understand for sure. Um, I, I've, I mean, like I said, we've known each other. We're approaching the 20 year mark. I've always felt like you've had a level of comfortability and confidence in your own skin um, that I don't know if it's rare, but it is a, like a, a, like a, a nice kind of uh, refreshing uh, you know, confidence in yourself. Um, what gives you confidence in any aspect of life? And is it something that you are either born with or something that you can learn? Oh, well, first of all, thank you. I feel, I feel that's a really kind compliment. Um, You're welcome. But I would, I would say honestly that the, the confidence, I guess, that I don't even necessarily realize I have, but hearing from you, I, I could see why you say that. Um, I, I guess it's really just this drive that I, I've always kind of had to a degree. I do have a competitive side that is sometimes almost to a fault, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I've, again, it's the same thing with how I measure success, I guess I would say for confidence is that, you know, you kind of just pave your, your own way and you really just, oh, this is a tough one, actually. I mean, when you're not very aware that you have this level of confidence. <laughs> well, I, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if that should come as like a huge surprise to you. Like you've come off extremely comfortable in, in the like human being that you are. Like you are unapologetically yourself, which I strive to do every single day, you know, be who I want to be. Okay. I'll give you that one. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I would say more I'm unapologetically myself. That has actually always kind of been my thing. You know, I wasn't the cool, popular girl in, in high school. Probably wasn't even in college. I don't think I am even now, but I've just always up unapologetically been myself. I, I am who I am, and sometimes it upsets people. Um, but I'm very clear with people at the same time. I say, you know, if you're going to ask me my opinion, I'm going to, I'll gladly give it to you. I'll give it to you unfiltered, but I make no apologies for that. Um, you know, if you, I just, I put myself out there mm -hmm. and I figure I try, I, I try everything once and if it doesn't work, okay, but so you, you know, could it, see, um, you could see on the outside how that would lead me to, to say that you're very confident in yourself. I guess Even though it now. might not seem that I way for that. yourself. <laughs> I could, I could see that now. So yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, I like to look at 
like the the grand scheme of my life, like in time brackets, like you know this five year stretch, um, this ten year period, high school, college, like I, it's very easy to kind of break up your life in some you know distinguishable amount of time. Um, when you become a mother, do you stop kind of having this? like multiple year plan. Like for me, it's very easy for me to say, I want this five year plan. I want to do this in this period of time. I want to do this in this period of time. Is that something that kind of goes away when you're now like caring for another human being? And if not, where do you see yourself in five years? I would say that, you know, there's certain things I know I want for my children and my family in coming years, you know, whether it's a bit more space, potentially a bigger house in five, 10 years, um, give them the things that they deserve in life. It's more that sort of perspective now, Mm -hmm. but in general, I've definitely scaled back on, you know, my chunks of time in my life. Um, to be very frank, I found it's almost morbid and depressing. If I look at things that way, you know, Rick and I will sometimes look at each other and say, Oh, when Anthony celebrates his 21st birthday, we're going to be in, what is it? Well, math, maybe our 60s. (laughs) I don't even know. But things like that uh, actually make me a bit depressed. So it's it's forced me to actually take a step back and be more present, which I I really do appreciate. You know, I'm trying to live in the moment and not think in, in five, 10 years, this will happen or I want this to happen. I definitely have goals don't get me wrong um i as i said before and as it's become clear you know i'm always working towards something but Mm -hmm. um but i really have curtailed a lot of that chunks of my life besides just having certain things i know i want for my family and for my children that's nice um I, i have worked very hard over the last year to be like very present in the moment and cognizant of like what's going on on a day-to-day basis and um, not forecasting my future too much because I feel like there was a certain number of years in my 20s where I was like well by the time I'm 25 I'll be doing xyz Mm -hmm. by the time I'm 30 I'll be doing xyz and it's not like the healthiest or most productive way to live a life and I think it took like this crazy year, this cataclysmic shit show that it was for me to gain that kind of perspective on time because you don't get a guarantee for tomorrow. Like there's so much that can transpire in life that mm-hmm. there's no sense in, you know, targeting out a year from now or six months from now or whatever it might be. And granted, there are, you know, restraints on things, but I, I think what's what's really impacted me greatly over the last year is it's not too late to start something new and it's not too late to go for something that you want today. 100%. I couldn't agree more. You know, you always want to think big, dream big, go after goals, aspirations, but the mentality of living more present has definitely shifted, especially in this last year, as you say, I mean, no one knew when we're coming out of this thing, I don't even know if we're calling it coming out of it, but whatever, <laughs> wherever we are now is sure at least a breath of fresh air. But, you know, we people lost loved ones. Just you really don't know day to day. And the thought of trying to live years ahead, it just it's a tough mentality. I mean, I, I think back because I was the same way. I, I'll admit 
really, really, really wanted to get married. I got caught up in the, in the concept and I would always make my little comments to Rick back in the day. And, oh, where's the ring? And, <laughs> you know, I'm at least able to have perspective now where I, I could have cooled it a little bit. You know, we got there and that's what matters. But thinking, planning ahead and everything, it, life has its own way of just figuring things out. It really does. And sometimes it works in your favor. Sometimes it leads to heartbreak or upset. But one way or another, you really there's only so much control you have anyway. So it, it, it makes more sense to just try your best to be in the present. I think that's a really refreshing uh, perspective to hear from someone who has like ticked a lot of like the quote unquote life boxes. Um, be- because so much of what, or so much of the reason behind starting this podcast was like me feeling unsettled in the position that I'm at in life in both a positive and a negative way. And I think it's nice to hear from someone who's gone down the list, who's, you know, you got the house, you got the kid, you got the marriage, you got all the things that you're supposed to go about checking off on your list. And then you also come to the point where you're like, whoa, geez, but like, I, I didn't need to rush into all this. It's not, it's not, I want this stuff for me, but I don't necessarily want it because someone else is telling me that I need to have it. And mm-hmm. when you're me, 35 single, you look on the outside of what everyone else is, you know, going through and, and how every, it's hard to find relatable, uh, opinions and themes on things when the lives we lead are, are drastically different. So I think it's nice to hear that refreshing take where it's like, yeah, you know, maybe I could have chilled when I was 25 being like, when are we getting married? When are we getting married? Et cetera. So that, that's kind of nice to hear, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I really tried to be much better about that mentality. I'm able, like I say, to look back now and, and recognize where some of those moments in time I did slip up and, you know, everyone slips up, but just recognizing them even is sort of acknowledging moving forward. And for what it's worth, I mean, our years of friendship, John, I've always, always respected you and how you've gone about handling everything in your life. You know, you've had your ups and downs and I've, really enjoyed watching you grow even as a person and as a friend and especially with this podcast and your photography um we've got pictures of yours in our house you know i really i like what you're doing and you've grown so much and it's it's honestly been a pleasure as your friend to watch oh thank you mel that means so much to me honestly that's too kind um but it's it's super appreciative because we get caught up in this social media world where we like demand this instant gratification for something that we're doing immediately in the moment. And I think what gets lost on, you know, posting something that you want people to like, or starting something that you want people to follow, you get lost on really it being just important to like your people. Right. And like, when I hear something like that, like that means the world to me. And I think like that's going to carry me for the next, you know, few weeks, few months, like to give me the confidence to keep doing the things that I'm doing because while it's scary to make risks and it's scary to like chase dreams, it's also super rewarding when you get someone to say something like that. So thank you. That, that means a lot. Um, Oh no, I I genuinely mean it. I mean, I, I, from the second you came out starting with this photography, I said, I can't believe you waited this long. You had this hidden talent. So I really, I just support you not only as a friend, but as, as a person, it's nice to see you, taking on sort of your own direction and and you're doing good things 
Thank you. I love you. I appreciate that. I think what uh, you brought up a, a very important point, um, you know, by waiting too long, I think it's so easy. Um, and, and I'm speaking from extreme personal experience here. It's so easy for people to go through their life, ignoring the things that they're passionate about. And it's funny because like I'm cleaning out, uh, you know, some old bins and storage things and stuff. And I found all these hilarious pictures that I took when I was a kid on like disposable cameras. I mean, like hundreds of photos that I took, like on trips to the UN and, and the Jersey shore. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, I was always into photography. Why did I never realize it? And I think people get so lost in what makes them happy because we're told we need to do make a lot of money. We need to drive a nice car. We need to have a nice house. We need to have 2.5 kids and we need to get married. And mm -hmm. for a long time, those were the only things I was focused on. My 20s, I mean, it was all about going to the clubs and getting drunk and getting bottles and going to Miami and Vegas. And like, don't get me wrong. I had a lot of fun, but not many of those experiences were anything other than fleeting moments of like ecstasy, right? They weren't, mm -hmm. uh, sub substantial impacts on my life. And I, I guess that clarity is something that you only gain with time, right? It's the only thing that you are able to do as you get older is be able to look back and be like, Oh, well, how come I didn't know that then? And I think that's just, that's how life works all part of the learning experience i mean i find myself you know it's interesting you say that i find myself sometimes falling into that oh what would i would tell 21 25 year old melissa and i'll probably try and say some of these things to my kids one day but everyone's got to learn on their own time and through their own experiences and again you know they were such fun experiences at the time but definitely a lot of this stuff that we're realizing now has been in front of our own eyes for so long. And a lot of it truly is fear holding us back, you know, and I've seen in this last year, so many of my friends and family come out trying new experiences, launching new things. I've got a friend got her yoga certification to, you know, long-term who knows, maybe a studio or something. I've got you doing your thing, you know, Rick and Steve with their, beer podcast those are just a couple off the top of my head and it's so great to see people kind of letting down those barriers and saying you know what i'm comfortable in my skin i'm going to give this a try and see where it goes and it's been a beautiful thing for so many oh, I, I completely agree i th i think um fear is incredibly motivating when it's put under the lens of like a life or death kind of thing. And, and I'm not saying like COVID was this huge cataclysmic thing. I mean, millions of people have died. It's been a shit, absolute shit year. Um, but what the perspective gained from it is that you can do new things. You can try new things. You can chase dreams. And I hate to say it, but like when I was 25, I would never have chased these dreams. I mean, I remember when I was doing all that writing online, like for a very long time, I told absolutely no one that I was doing it. I was so embarrassed by it. I couldn't believe that I was writing for all these websites. I was like, who the fuck am I? Like the male Carrie Bradshaw. Like I was mortified that I felt like I could be this person. And I think that was a terrible perspective. I think it was such a shit way for me to go about something that I was extremely passionate about and something that I loved. And 
like 25 year old John doesn't realize that, but 35 year old John does. And 35 year old John wants to be a photographer and wants to host a podcast and just wants to be happy on a daily basis. And again, perhaps these are things that only come with time, but it is an incredibly freeing feeling when you're able to reach that like internal clarity uh, that allows you to kind of you know, progress in life without worrying about the consequences or the wreckage of the future. Couldn't agree more. That was extremely well said. Thanks. Um, you're obviously a person who, again, outside looking in has done the things that they want in the manner of which they want. And, you know, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or, uh, and, uh, your maybe not need to worry about other people's opinions, but I'm curious what, in in the in the lens of motherhood in what i think is probably one of the you know parenthood to me is a huge huge thing like your your life is almost no longer your own because you have to worry about you know the lives of of these children um mm-hmm. taking that kind of viewpoint to the side for a spec for a second what's like a personal dream that you have for yourself that doesn't necessarily fall within like the family uh frame I really, really have some high aspirations and goals for myself personally in terms of my career. Um, That is one of the things that I gauge success. I keep going back to this, but that's one of those success points for me. Um, I definitely want to keep pursuing opportunities until... I climb the ladder a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I know with with the higher position means more exposure in terms of, you know, if you mess up, like it's your head on the chopping block. Um, you're not just that the lowly employee that you can point fingers and look elsewhere at, but that's something I'm, I'm definitely willing to accept and working towards. I definitely want to um, have more accountability in my career. It's something I take pride in. And so, um, while yes, it does, that decision does impact my family. If you even put that aside, it's still something that I very much want for myself. It's something I've always said and still have eyes on the prize. So, um, that's kind of my own personal hope to achieve sort of goal. Mm, Nice. I like that. Um, do you have a bucket list? Definitely. How many items are I, on it? Um, right now we've actually been able to check off a handful of them, but um, there's still there's a, still a handful that obviously we need to get to. A lot of it is still focused around traveling, um, and then a lot is more smaller scale personal stuff. Um, you know, the marathon was on there, and I've been blessed to check that off. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I think, as we said, a lot a lot of it was sort of things that I've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to have found already unchecked off. But in retrospect, you know, would have been okay if some of those had taken more time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That's cool. Always evolving. Yeah, I uh, I asked that question because, like I said, I'm I'm doing some spring cleaning, and uh, I found an old journal. You know surprise surprise uh my diary um <laughs> uh and i had a bucket I, I had a bucket list and i was like really really 
I was happy and also disappointed on some of the things that were on there because, um, gee, I can't remember what year it was. I think I want to say like 2011 or 2012. I don't remember off the top of my head what year, uh, it was from, but on the bucket list was a alarming and embarrassing number of material things. Um, you know, buy X, Y, Z, um, get X, Y, Z. And I was like a little, you know, I was disappointed in myself. I guess, you know, 23, 24 years old, um, that's the frame and the lens in which you look at your life. But it's funny because I made a new one and the, 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 the gap between, you know, 23 year old, um, 2011 bucket list and 2021 year old, you know, 2021 bucket list was, was pretty staggering. Um, and I think it's a cool thing to do. And I'm probably going to start updating mine like yearly. Um, and then like also try to do like small short term bucket lists, like a 30 day bucket list, maybe a six month one and, and sort of make it like a goal setting type thing. Um, but I wasn't sure if I was the only one that actually did that. <laughs> no, no. You know, I've got the the bucket list, but I actually really like this idea. And it sort of ties nicely into what I said earlier about how I try to break down into what can I do today? What can I do tomorrow? What can I do longer term? I think that also tying in some some goals for myself into those would be I, I like that idea a lot, actually. Um, Feel free to take it. I'm, I'm happy to share I, it. <laughs> I think I will. I think I will. What's funny is actually in looking back, um, it made five, ten-year-old Melissa. My bucket list was one thing back then. My parents would ask, what do you want to be? And I wanted to be the first female president of the U.S. So wow. I mean, my list is, yeah, that was actually my dream job. Wow. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that's no longer the case, right? No, no, you know politics is just politics. Shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. right, right. We've I uh, have tough skin, but not that tough. Yeah, I've uh, I've made conscious decisions uh, just over the course of the last you know four or five years to try to limit the amount of political conversations I have with my friends to mm-hmm. as few as possible because they're just. It first of all, it doesn't matter. We're fucked regardless. And second of <laughs> all, it just like it's like the religion thing. You can argue yep. till you're blue in the face, and no one's going to budge. So it's the same thing. It's like why are we going to waste our breath and have an argument over something that's completely unnecessary? I I couldn't agree more. You know, I've had people try to engage me in a lot of those types of conversations. And I mean, they I'm say, guilty you know, of it. I'm so right. guilty of it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm consciously trying to not be that way any longer. I think it, yeah. it it's uh, uh, definitely on my, my bucket list to not to be less of a shithead for sure. Um, <laughs> what inspires you on a daily basis? I mean, it, it could be any number of things, but I'm just curious, like what kind of, what do you do that like reduces you, recharges you and like inspires you to, you know, keep going? Definitely several factors. I mean, ranging from, you know, physical stuff. I've just been more of the athletic type my whole life. So if, if I'm having a rough day or I need a mental break, I'm going to hop on the bike or I'm going to go out for a walk or, you know, when I'm not pregnant for a run, um, even some yoga to clear the mind, anything sort of 
athletic exercise related, definitely it inspires me. Mm-hmm. Um, it recharges me. Also, just um, we talked, you talked before about writing. I love to write. I mean, even if I just am jotting stuff down, if I'm having, you know, a moment of inspiration or a moment of upset, I'm, I'm going to be writing something down, getting that feeling out, like thinking through it, you know, maybe talking about it if I need to, but definitely inspires me and it gives me a moment to kind of let the idea evolve. Mm. Um, Love that. So, yeah, so kind of writing also. Um, and then sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, and this is going to sound so lame, but, <laughs> you know, Rick or Anthony looking at me and just giving that that smile, you know, it's, you're, you sit back and you're like, this is this is what it's about sometimes, you know, just knowing that someone has placed their trust in you and, and they're happy. And that gives me happiness and inspiration. Oh, I love that. That's really sweet. Not not cheesy. It's sweet. I like that. I like to spend uh, the last little bit of my podcast episodes uh, with a couple quick hit questions and then like a couple deeper ones. Um, So for the first quick hitter, what is your favorite book? Ooh, anything Jodi Bacall. I can't pick one favorite, but I love her as an author. Nice. What's your favorite movie? Oh, The Lion King. (laughs) (laughs) The original, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because okay. yeah. the new one, one, in my opinion, was a disaster. And I love John Favreau, yeah. and it just didn't do it for me at all. No, no, it was a bit disappointing. I, yeah, you got to go original Lion King. I think we saw it uh, seven times in theaters alone. Oh my so. god. <laughs> yeah. I, that's a kid thing, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I still watch it now. I mean, I have my son for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. What's your favorite food? Ooh, it's a tie between sushi or tacos. Taco Bell, if we're being very specific. Fuck yeah. Cheesy gordita crunch till I die. Naked chicken chalupa's back. All right, fine. But cheesy gordita <laughs> crunch, for sure. All right. I recently right. had a conversation with someone on one of the dating apps, and when they told me that they had never, ever had Taco Bell, I was like, well, you know, I mean, you seem Ooh. great, but there's just no chance that this will ever work. I can't I can't be around someone with that level of negativity in my life. <laughs> That's a quality date night spot. I mean <laughs> It's certainly not expensive, but it is delicious. Right. <laughs> call call me a cheap date. I would go to Taco Bell at a date. <laughs> yeah. Ditto, for sure. Do you believe in an afterlife? I do. I didn't always, but I do um as of late, yes. I like that. Same. What was the best piece of advice you've ever given? That I've ever given? Or received. Oh, oh my gosh. I guess, I mean, somewhere along the line, it had to have been something about being authentic and true to yourself. I, I Like I say, I struggled a lot um, through my school years of not having confidence in myself. And, you know, um, it, it ironically took me listening to my parents, you know, <laughs> every parent's always like, have faith in yourself. But it really took me listening to my parents when, when they said that to finally be comfortable in my own skin. And, and so being true and authentic to yourself is really just the one liner that stuck with me. Nice. I like that. Um, what is one recommendation you have for everyone listening today? It could be a book, it could be a podcast, a movie, TV show, whatever. What's one recommendation that you have? Um, I would say 
you know, <laughs> you're probably going to laugh, but <laughs> I have listened, especially over the last year being cooped up in the house with Rick, to a tremendous amount of Joe Rogan um, mm. podcast. And what I thought would be, you know, just a BS kind of guy show has really actually changed my perspective a bit. You know, he brings on some pretty fascinating guests. Um, and I've learned a, a lot, you know, ranging from some of these crazy theories that people have to some real serious facts in life and, you know, some good life lessons. And so, again, it, it sounds ironic, probably coming especially from me, but hmm. I I would recommend him. And Rick's probably going to be shocked if he makes it to the end of this podcast and hears this. He's well, he going to be shocked. He but better fucking make it to the end. It's just he, well, one of his we'll best friends and his wife. About this. <laughs> he will know if he comments, go Joe Rogan. <laughs> well, here, here here's my thing. Um, I, I struggle mightily with Joe Rogan. I go back and forth weekly um because like you said occasionally he has some incredible guests i mean neil degrasse tyson like he said he just had some like truly right. remarkable conversations with people who like goes from super famous to like completely obscure and everything in between but then he also says like such stupid shit and i understand he's just a <laughs> yeah. guy like right he's just a person and he's just a comedian but he's unfortunately reached this level of uh, notoriety and fame and a, a audience that is so huge that it unfortunately becomes somewhat of an obligation for him to be a bit more mindful about the stuff that he's doing. And I, I would right. imagine he's struggling with that right now. I think the burden right. of the contract that he has and all of the PC police that he gets uh, on a fucking daily basis must be exhausting. And I think part of him doesn't care, <clears throat> but I bet, uh, you know, a, a small part of him does. Um, and I, I just, I used to listen to the podcast religiously and I don't so much anymore. I catch the YouTube clips um, pretty much whenever they post like those short five minute, 10 minute clips mm -hmm. of the guests and stuff. And I just struggle with him. It's one of those things. It's like you love to hate him. You hate to love him. It's like it, it, it's it's a very, very peculiar thing because it was such like appointment listening for me for so long on my commutes. It was like the only thing that I listened to. And like, mm -hmm. it's it, you know, I guess it's you just these things happen. You know, you 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 morph and you grow as you get older for sure um but i do right. find that a very interesting choice for you i, I kind of like that though My i also would add um a book i mean i think that everyone needs to read at some point is just quite simply don't sweat the small stuff oh, i mean absolutely it, it's classic but it that it's just that it's classic it's truth and it's just straightforward and simple and everyone could benefit from that if they have not read it do it now the uh, 2.0 version of that book the subtle art of not giving a fuck is also yes. a wonderful book that people should read um which could be my recommendation for this show but it's not going to be i'm going to cop out and plug your husband's podcast and if you like beer you need to be listening to the beer you are podcast on apple and spotify and 500 other different platforms because my two buddies steve and rick have the best beer podcast on the planet and you need to be subscribed and listening all the time Shame, i co-signed that one <laughs> i co-signed that i wasn't sure if i was just allowed to cop out and go with that one so thank I you did for, for doing you. that <laughs> you saved my ass because i really wanted to 
but um, I co-signed that fully. Thank God. Um, Mel, uh, I think it goes without saying that I love and admire you. I'm tremendously happy that our relationship has stood the test of time and we've been able to get to the level of friendship that we have today. And I'm super appreciative of, of you as a human being in my life. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really enjoyed our time. The feeling is so mutual, John. It's been, um, as I said, great having this friendship evolve over the years and watching you grow personally and professionally and our ups and downs in life. You've always really been um, there for me. Um, and for Rick, you found a great balance. As I said earlier, even when we had some of our struggles in our relationship, you've always been sort of that, that great neutral person that just cares enough for both of us and was rooting for us that you were there. And so I, I appreciate you. And I know, uh, there's a lot of good things to come for you. Thank you so much. I love you. I love you back. (laughs) Have a great one. Take care. Thanks, John.